morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Wednesday, December 21st, we are studying the hymn, O Savior, Rend the Heavens Wide. That's hymn number 355 in Lutheran Service Book. This hymn by Friedrich von Spee helps us to pray that God, our God and Savior, would come with might, blessing, comfort, and life. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Andrew Preuss. Pastor Preuss serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Good to be back. Pastor Preuss, we are near the end of Advent with this episode, but let's talk a little bit about the season that we are almost through. Tell us about Advent, why it is a good thing for us to observe as Christians. Yeah, so Advent, uh, when we think of Advent, we should think of the uh, second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Um, you know, So in the Latin, it would be, Adveniat regnum tuum, um, so let your kingdom come, right? So, so Advent it means that Christ is coming, right? We're, we're, we, are, we observe how he has come in the flesh. He comes through his word and sacrament today, and he will come on the last day. Um, the other thing about Advent is I was explaining this to my secretary that uh, where, I, where I'm a pastor, we're old school. So we still have violet or purple, whatever you want to call it, for Advent as well as Lent. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure most Missouri Synod churches, or at least a good, good growing portion of them, have blue for Advent, um, which is kind of interesting. You know, I, I guess I, it, I don't care that much anymore. I probably used to care because I was used to purple um, or violet or whatever. Uh, but, but, but there is some significance to that. Just to talk a little bit about that, Advent and Lent are both considered penitential seasons. Uh, that is, we focus on repentance. Uh, we we give we give some thought to that, to examining ourselves, and it makes sense with with Lent because we're meditating on the suffering of our Lord Jesus and what He had to do to what He had to go through. Uh, because of our sins, uh, so this should lead us to to uh, reflect on our own sins, but also with that true faith in the merits of Jesus Christ, who died for us. With Advent, it's a similar thing where we prepare the way for the Lord. Right? We are. That's what repentance is. That is repenting of our sins and trusting in the object uh, of our faith, which is Christ and His salvation. And so, so, so the, the difference though is you, you find with, I think that, and, and I'm sure pe- others would agree with me that Lent seems to be more of a, uh, more somber uh, than, than Advent. Although Advent still has that somberness uh, and sobriety to it because we're waiting for something. So Advent is more of like 
a, a flower that we're waiting to bloom. And there's this mm. anticipation for it to bloom. Whereas Lent is more like a seed which is buried and dies, mm. as Jesus says, you know, or something dies and then, and then you have the resurrection, uh, which is, you know, which is that, that great, great surprise um, at, on Easter. So, so it make it, I understand why, for whatever reason, some liturgical people who, uh, who, who like to change things, uh, decide, Hey, let's do blue. I mean, I don't, I'm not mad, you know, it's uh whatever, it's just a color, but I, I get it, you know, because blue, I suppose blue is a, is, is, has what hope peace is that, do you understand what's, what's the significance of blue? So I've, we've talked a little bit about this on some episodes and yeah, the significance of blue is, as I have understood it and as others have shared it with me is a, it's a color of, of hope and okay. expectation sure. that, you know, certainly fits very well with Advent, but we, you know, we've talked a little bit about there, there are merits to that, but then the connection that you're saying that the color violet or, or purple, you know, makes with Lent, that can also be very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that and that and it, it is true that Advent is it is a penitential season, but not in the exact same way as Lent. We're we're looking forward to something uh, uh, that's slightly uh, just a different focus. Um, and so so Advent is it's a really a wonderful way to start the the uh, uh, the church year. This year, our first uh, midweek service actually landed on St. Andrew's Day. And so we, mm. we, we observed St. Andrew's Day, which was a lot of fun. And there you have John the Baptist pointing out the Lamb of God who takes away the sin right. of the world. You have a lot of that, those themes of John the Baptist coming out. So, so, so what, what's a lot of themes then that are going to, well, like I mentioned before, and I'm sure you've talked about with other pastors already, is, you know, Advent is that he came, he comes, and he will come again. So you have a lot of emphasis on the judgment but you also then have this emphasis on our own uh present hope that which we have in his word and in his sacraments and how he comes to us in his body and blood and 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 all of this is leading up to that fullness of time when he came uh in as 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 uh you know as the child in the manger and and it really is cool how they all interact, and it, it's it, it's a very comforting season, uh, even as it as as it teaches us to be reflective. So you know, do we have you ever heard of giving things up for Advent? Eh, no, it maybe it's, maybe it's not a terrible idea, but in a sense, we do though. You know, we we don't open up our presents until Christmas, right? You know, we yeah. there are things that we not necessarily deprive ourselves of normals of regular things, but we do, we don't feast until, hmm. until Christmas, you know? Um, anyway. So yeah, that's, there's more to say about Advent, but that's, no, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's all very helpful. A very helpful reminder, especially as we do draw closer to the feasting that is Christmas, that, that great, great celebration that Advent leads us to. So thinking about Advent hymnody, Pastor Price, what's, what's your favorite Advent hymn? Well, and and I, you should have asked. And why is it, oh, uh, and, oh Lord? And why is it? Yeah, and oh, no, yeah, that's should, right. And you, why is it, oh Lord? How shall I meet yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, that's well, right. that's. I can't believe everybody hasn't <laughs> told me that, but they haven't. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that is. I I have to say that's my favorite. Uh, you know, growing up, 
I probably, when I was younger, if you would ask me what's my favorite Advent hymn, I probably would have thought, huh, I guess I never really thought of Advent hymns. But but if but when I was in like high school, I probably would have said Savior of the Nations Come or hmm. or uh O Come O Come Emmanuel, which are wonderful. And speaking of that somber kind of tone, you know, O Come O Come Emmanuel especially really has that longing in the in 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 its tune. Uh, and and the great biblical imagery, which actually very much relates to the hymn that we're going to study here, but but with uh, O come or O Lord, how shall I meet you or thee if you're using TLH? That Paul Gerhardt has such a such a great he's such a great teacher. He's not just a good poet; he's such a good teacher, and he's he's expressing this this longing of the Christian for the promises of Christ to come true, and yet all the while reflecting on how they already have been fully fulfilled, right? So we're waiting for him. Say, how shall I meet? You know, Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you are right. Your people long to greet you. My hope, my heart's delight. O kindle, Lord, most holy. Uh, your lamp within my breast to do in spirit lowly all that may please you best. And then, you know, I then continues to talk about that hope of the crown of glory that we'll receive. But then it gets into what he actually did. Love caused thy incarnation. Love brought me down to thee. Right. And then there are two stanzas, which I want to quote for you in case you don't do this. And even if you do do this with the other pastors or you did with the other pastor, whoever it was who had the privilege to talk about that hymn with you. Um, there are two stanzas, actually three stanzas, but two, only two I know by heart that did not make it into the LSB, and uh, they should they should they should be in it, and we we should just sing them. Um, but one of them is, uh, "Ye ye need not toil nor languish nor ponder day and night how in the midst of anguish ye draw him by your might. He comes, he comes, all willing, moved by his love alone." Your your woes and troubles stilling, for all to him are known. And then there is uh, there is uh, the other one. Oh, uh, rejoice then ye sad. Yes, rejoice right. then ye sad hearted who sit in deepest gloom and mourn or joys departed and tremble at your doom. Despair not, he is near you. Yea, yea, standing at the door, who best can help and cheer you and bids you weep no more. I mean, that's just wonderful stuff. And and so. You have that even as you are waiting for him, you have that present comfort that is that 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 is there for you in his word. And that's what I, I just love that about that hymn. I love that about Advent. Uh, my second favorite one is probably uh, I think it's Johann Aurelius. Um, uh, comfort, comfort ye my people. It's basically the best paraphrase of poetic paraphrase of Isaiah 40 you'll ever find. So. That's another really good one. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I too, I love, I love Paul Gerhardt's hymnody in general, and and the one he writes there for Advent is fantastic. And as you said, he he teaches us so well, and he he weaves into that the, I mean, the devotional nature of the Christian faith too. It's it's a prayer at the same time as you're you're learning who Christ is. It's it's fantastic. So we get the hymn. O Savior, in the heavens wide today, which is number 355 in Lutheran Service Book. Any notes on the author, the text as a whole, before we dig into individual stanzas? Well, the text, I'll just start off with the text as a whole is is really good biblical imagery. 
I mean, I'm not going to go through it all right now because we we got we got the rest of of the hour uh, to 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 unpack this. But you know, he's bringing out these the 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 image of you know like the morning star uh the uh the the unlocking of the gate of the of the doors uh the raining down from heaven these these things which are spoken of uh especially in Isaiah um but throughout the scriptures and there's this longing similar to O Lord how shall I meet thee right the, this longing for him to come for Christ to come and this hope in his coming uh and but there's with this hymn there's much more of there's much more of that uh anticipation without there's not as much as of the present uh you know the present comfort that we that we currently have it and that's why i said it, it reminds me more of uh o come o come emmanuel right mm. it's 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 yeah. it's that it so it ends up being more somber in that way uh it and and that perhaps is explained by the fact that the author is uh was a jesuit who was uh part of the counter-reformation so that makes it you know that makes it a little a little tough to uh you know it, it makes it easy for me to be biased against the text um because of course i'm not a fan of the jesuits uh really at any time um and uh, especially in the in the 16th century, since they were the ones who were formed to to attack Luther, the Lutherans and and specifically yeah. attack the article of justification by faith alone. But I will say that this guy, his hymnody, or specifically this hymn, became uh, well. As you were saying, you were telling me earlier before we before we started that this was uh, that the, the Lutherans were starting to sing this already in yeah. the 16th century or yeah, not not long after his death yeah is what according to the the companion to the hymns for, for okay. lutheran service book that yeah it, it, he was a catholic a roman catholic author but not long after his death yeah. german lutherans were singing this hymn yeah yeah and you know there are so there are ancient hymns of those who were not likely antagonistic toward the gospel like a Jesuit from the 16th, 17th century would be. Um, and those hymns are obviously going to be emphasizing certain things more maybe, uh, that, you know, probably a lot, uh, may, maybe focus more on the biblical imagery. I don't know, whatever it might be. Uh, well, Savior of the Nations Come is very much, uh, you know, it's written by Ambrose and that's going to be very much emphasizing the incarnation but also his work his humiliation uh and his exaltation but at any rate there are hymns there are other hymns that we sing that are written by roman catholics they're not and i'll just say it frankly they're not as good as the lutheran hymns doesn't mean that they're bad you know but they're just not as good um they're they're as far as if you want a hymn to teach you the articles of the christian faith clearly with just with the justification of the sinner before God, articulate not necessarily in those words justification through faith, but you know that our sins are forgiven, that we are that our that our, our 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 guilt is atoned for, all that you know that that we can have a good conscience, um, those things that we as Lutherans really care about because the Bible cares about. You're not going to find anything better than Lut a Luther or a Gerhardt or you know Aurelius guys like that. Uh, 
But there are, you know, these hymns, we have inherited these hymns through, uh, through the church has learned to love these other hymns and has found comfort in the biblical imagery that's there. And this, this is a good thing. This, is, this teaches us that despite people's agendas, despite, you know, false teachings that, that masquerade as pious uh, religious movements, but are really just political uh, uh, attacks against the truth, despite those things, which are always all over the place, the word of God, the scriptures are going to shine forth. Um, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty will shine forth, right? And so that's, so, so I don't, so, you know, so I'm not being a hater here. I'm just saying how it is. Um, this hymn, uh, actually, you know, I never really picked it. Uh, it's possible I never picked it because I just never really knew it. And, um, mm. but, uh, but looking at the words, it's, this has been a good project for me to just look through the words and say, hey, yeah, you know, there's some, some good biblical imagery here. And, and uh, instead of dwelling on, you know, the fact that the author thought that the Bible was not the uh, sole uh, source of authority of our doctrine. Um, uh, let's just uh, dwell on, you know, let's use our scripture alone principle and look at this hymn and be edified by the scriptures as the only, uh, you know, source of our, uh, of our doctrinal uh, inheritance. So oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, let's let's dig in. So this is stanza one. O Savior, rend the heavens wide. Come down, come down with mighty stride. Unlock the gates, the doors break down. Unbar the way to heaven's crown. That's stanza one of the hymn, O Savior, rend the heavens wide. So you you mentioned from the outset, Pastor Preuss, that we're going to see a lot of Isaiah in this hymn. And the, the first line, the title of this stanza comes straight from Isaiah. Take us into yeah. this, this first stanza. Yeah, so this first stanza comes straight from Isaiah 64. Um, so I'll just read uh, just the first the first verse of Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. So this is uh, this is this is a prayer to God in light of what's going on you know, uh, in Israel and Jerusalem where you have the, these other nations who are coming against them, which is God's judgment against the unbelief of Israel. But, but Isaiah has this hope that God is actually going to come down. You know, that imagery of rending the heavens, you know, the, when you think of the, the heavens, uh, uh, what, what is the, you know, the firmament, right? You go back to, to the creation account in, in Genesis one, there's that firmament, the rekia uh, in the in the Hebrew there, which which people say, oh well, this is just uh, a mythological. They try to say that's a mythological uh, uh, view of the heavens, and they didn't understand modern science. Like, oh yeah, because we call it the ozone layer. Um, so you know, like as if we don't use the similar kind of language uh, to describe uh, something that's way above us. Um, and this, yeah. there is something, there's something to this. I mean, you, you, you think of, I mean, it's interesting. You said, speaking of the ozone layer, <laughs> what you remember, I don't, we don't really hear a whole lot of this anymore. We hear about how we're all going to die in some other way. Um, but, uh, 
But when I was younger, we heard a lot about the ozone layer. Do you remember that? How it's, yeah, there was a hole in it. There's a hole in it. It's getting bigger. And yeah, and then we're all going to get cancer or something. Which, yeah, it might happen, but, you know, Christ is risen. Um, but, you know, that, sca- that scares people. People get scared by that kind of stuff. So to really stop and consider this imagery, rending the heavens, hmm. uh, that, that this is what, that, that, that God didn't come down in, you know, in secret. Yeah, he came down in humility, but he also, he announced it with his angels. And when he comes on the last day, when Christ comes on the last day, He'll come as a thief in the night, but it's going to be with the with the shout of the archangel, shout of the trumpet, and he's gonna and, and it's going to be public. He's going to judge the living and the dead. So right off the bat, we have we we have this image of of setting the record straight that God is the judge. He's the authority. He's the one who has the right to not just poke a hole in the ozone layer, but to rend the heavens open, to rip open the sky and come down. And I'd like to point out one other thing in uh, Isaiah 64, uh, verse, verse five. He says, you meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways, behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade away like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Uh, and and uh, and and so so this is you know he's he this is what this reminds us of doing, which gets into it reminds us of confessing our sins, right? We're, we're before the judgment of God. And this is something, this hymn, you know, really, really amplifies in, in the sixth stanza, as we'll, as, as we'll discuss later, uh, that uh, when we consider the judgment, we should consider that even our righteousness, even that, inf- if you want, even whether you want to call it infused righteousness, whether you want to call it virtue poured into you, it is before God like filthy garments. And so what do we need from the, the Lord who is rending the heavens? We need his righteousness to rain down. And that brings us to the second stanza. Okay, well, let's go straight into the, the second stanza then. This is stanza two. O Father, light from heaven send, as morning dew, O sun, descend. Drop down, you clouds, the life of spring, to Jacob's line, rain down the king. That is stanza two of the hymn, O Savior, rend the heavens wide. I have to admit that this one catches me a little bit off guard when you get to the last stanza, because we're talking about morning dew and clouds and life of spring, and I've got these beautiful pastoral images in my mind. And, and But then in the, at the end, it's to Jacob's line, rain down the king. And you, you look at, and I guess the second line too, the sun descending, there's, there's lots of, of messianic advent imagery here. Got about three minutes before the break. So just as, as a heads up, if we need to spend more time on the stanza, we can, but let's, let's take a look at this one. Yeah. So th- what sticks out to me, I mean, y- you mentioned Jacob's line. Um, so of course, this is the, the line of Jacob uh, is through, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then it goes through Jacob's son, Judah. And eventually David and and so on. And so we're following that seed, of course. Uh, so 
So to Jacob's line, that is, uh, this is referring to Christ. This is the Christ, and and he he reigns down uh, as the king. And what this reminds me of, uh, this especially this reigning down, this dropping down, is Isaiah forty five and uh, specifically verse eight. It says, and this is this is uh, in 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 the lectionary that that I follow, which is the one year lectionary. I think it's oh man, is it the last? I think it's the last. No, it should be because we're because uh, this is going to be airing right when we're. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This will be airing during the last week of Advent. Yeah, yeah. So if I didn't know that Rorate Koili is the last uh, the last Sunday in Advent, that would sound really bad, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, this is... Oh, hold on. I, I use the three-year lectionary, so I have to, you know, I have to bow down before you, I guess, as one who... Yeah, but uh, let's see. I, I read this, that this this hymn does particularly fit, I think, with that last Sunday, with the intro it for that last yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So that is the, the there last There it is. Sunday. Yeah, the fourth Sunday, the historic intro it for the fourth Sunday in Advent is Isaiah 45, verse 8. Thank yep. you. Yeah. Okay, so yep. just forget everything else you heard. Um, I totally remember what's coming up this Sunday, right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, so... Yeah, that that rain down, uh, rain down, O heavens, uh, uh, Isaiah forty five, rain down or shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Uh, so this raining down of righteousness, this is this is a common theme throughout the scriptures, and you got Psalm ninety eight. You know, that he has revealed his righteousness to the heathen, to the nations. This is the righteousness that Christ came to bring for us, his kingdom and his righteousness, his righteousness, which is credited to poor sinners through faith by God's grace. It is earned by Jesus's obedience for us. That's why he came to cover us in robes of righteousness. And so that's what we are always thirsting for. And Jesus promises that we will be satisfied. Yeah, so we continue to pray with this hymn that the Lord would come. We're going to keep looking at this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Andrew Preuss this morning. We will be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. 
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, December 21st. We are studying the hymn, O Savior, Rend the Heavens Wide, number 355 in Lutheran Service Book. Our guest this morning is Pastor Andrew Preuss, who serves at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri. Pastor Preuss, we continue with stanza three of the hymn. The text reads this, O earth in flowering bud be seen, clothe hill and dale in garb of green. Bring forth, O earth, a blossom rare, our Savior sprung from meadow fair. That stanza three of our hymn. You mentioned toward the beginning of our program, when we think of the season of Advent, we could imagine a flower coming into full bloom. That That's the image that the hymn writer has here in this stanza, it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, it reminds me of that, that hymn, which I can't remember if it's a Christmas or Advent hymn. I'll pick it for both. But the Lo Hawa Rose Air Bloometh, um, yeah, it's a it's a Christmas hymn in Lutheran service book, but I think it was an Advent hymn in other hymnals. Yeah, well, and there's there's another one with that same tune, which we're singing both of them in TLH. Uh, like our congregation uses TLH, but um, but at any rate, uh, this is a great Advent theme. It's a good Christmas theme too. Uh, but uh, but of course, this is the as as you mentioned, and as we were, I was I was talking about earlier, that Advent is like that flower that we're just watching it as it buds and we're just waiting for it to bud uh this the 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 best there are two parts of isaiah in particular that stick out to me uh when when reading this uh, or, or singing this uh third stanza and the first one would be isaiah uh isaiah 11 uh that i will how i will send forth a shoot out of the stump of jesse Right, yeah. and that Jesus. So you think of that that image of the stump of Jesse. Why is it a stump? Because the house of David has been destroyed. You know, Nebuchadnezzar came and 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 killed uh, Zephaniah's children and his sons right in front of him, and then gouged out Zephaniah's eyes and led him away captive. And that was the king of Judah, the king of Jerusalem, of the line of David. And so the promise that God gave through the line of David, that he said this kingdom would never perish, that this kingdom would last forever, and uh, and, and that it would bring salvation for, 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 for the people, it seems to have been just totally wiped out. But here then is this, and, and, and it seems to, like this great family tree of Jesse, the, the father of David, has been cut down and all that's left is a stump. But then he says, I'll bring forth a, a shoot out of the stump of Jesse. And that, that is the seed. So the seed returns and that's Jesus. Um, now another, another portion of Isaiah, which where this comes up again is, is the beginning of Isaiah 53. Uh, yes. Isaiah 53 verse, uh, verse two. So this is, ta- dis- dis- this is describing the suffering servant, and it says, he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. And then it goes on to describe his state of humiliation where he had no form of majesty. So, and, and, he, and he bore our iniquity. So this is, uh, you know, the, the, this, this shows this, this, this image of the, of the blossom. This should remind us also, this is where the link between Advent and Lent comes, because this should remind us of Easter as much as it should remind us of mm. Christmas. Um, and so you see the link between Advent and Lent in this anticipation of, of the, because, you know, and sometimes you have plants where the petals will, will, will kind of shrivel up and die. Um, 
and fall off right before you know the the other uh, uh, leaves come out, right? So um, I, I'm no expert on that stuff. There's probably someone listening, shaking his or her head. And my wife knows all sorts of stuff on this stuff. She is obsessed with. We go on walks. This is this has been the way ever since we were dating. I just want to walk and talk about stuff. And um, but she wants to. She likes to do that too. But then she likes to stop and then explain to me all, all these trees and plants and stuff. So she, I'm sure she could tell me all about all this. Uh, you know, the she all this imagery. And so they're actually that. What this also shows us too. There's, this is just another note on these the, the imagery that that's used in the scriptures. And that comes out in this hymn and other hymns like it. It's really helpful and it shows us that there's great value as Christians to learn the natural sciences, you know, to learn about the weather, to learn about the heavens, you know, the sky, to learn about plants. And, uh, you know, we're studying life because God's the creator of all these things. And God uses these things constantly as a metaphor for what he has accomplished and is still bringing to light. And it, it promises to finally bring fully manifest to us in the last day in his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, this is a slight tangent. So I don't want to go too far off on it, but I, I think there is value for us as, as Christians in having experience with the things that are a part of the world of, of the scriptures, you know, so it might not be bad for, for Christians to hang out with a, a sheep once in a while yeah. or to, you know, to observe a grapevine and, and to, gr- to garden. I mean, those yeah. things I think are helpful for us so that we can appreciate the imagery that, that God uses in his word to teach us. Uh, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit trail, but I, I think that's right. And, and certainly we have the image of, of a plant growing here, in stanza three well, let's let's keep yeah go ahead i was just gonna say that is the cool thing nowadays like to farm and garden and stuff like that you know that's right life's a that's garden right. and and you know dig perhaps it. there's a there's a there might be a benefit to your christian faith in doing so sure right. yeah, yeah yeah uh bodily discipline is of some value right that's yeah. right that's right that's right let's let's keep looking at this hymn oh, okay. stanza four now oh fount of hope how long how long when will you come with comfort strong? O come, O come, your throne forego. Console us in our veil of woe. That stands a four of the hymn, O Savior, rend the heavens wide. So here we, we have a question, how long, how long? I associate that with the book of Revelation particularly. And I know it's, it's asked in the Psalms as well. Uh, take us into stanza four. Yeah, you know, and I, that, that longing of how long, that is, that is an expression of hope. Uh, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of felt bad. I got a little annoyed with my son because, okay, we got this MacBook that we bought and we got this three year warranty on it. So we can, you know, for only $300, get it fixed. Um, and, and, but I need to send it in through FedEx. They send me this special thing anyway. And my son wants me to get it fixed so he can like chat with his friends with with well one particular friend uh who we used to live next to and we moved and he likes to keep in touch with them and and um so he, he keeps asking me dad are you gonna bring it to the are you, are you you know are you gonna mail out that the the package to get the to get the computer fixed and today i kind of got a little annoyed with him and i felt kind of bad about it because why is he asking me? He's not being disrespectful. He's just, he trusts me. He knows I'm going to do it, but he still asks, how long? Now, 
any parent can can relate that you know when your kids i think it's god god has a sense of humor i mean god is he's teaching us you know what we did to our parents you know how long how long you know when are we eat are we there yet you know the, all that kind of stuff and they're not being disrespectful i mean they are if they don't listen to you i suppose if you tell them okay you're annoying stop you know but but you know at at the heart of it that's not that's a good thing for kids to ask you that because implicit with that longing is hope and 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 confidence that god is actually going to fulfill his promise just as our children trust that we're we're going to get there you know the computer's going to get fixed we're going to eat you know uh but they they ask in hope even even while they're really longing for it and they they might be a bit antsy and the psalms do a wonderful job expressing this the one passage from scripture that stuck out for me though uh <laughs> you know this is what it says to speaks to me no i'm just kidding um, what's, what stuck out to me though, uh, was what came to mind was Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 13, especially when he talks about that fount of hope, um, where he says, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy spirit, you may, obtain, you may abound in hope. So that abide, abounding in hope, that being filled with joy and peace and believing that being filled by the God of hope. That is that fountain of hope that, that God is filled with hope. His word gives us hope. And again, hope is, is it's not a kind of carnal hope. Like I hope that the Packers could possibly still pull it off. Um, which is a very, very flimsy hope. Um, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure your your brother used the same expression when we were talking about hope in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, we got a problem. Um, we got a <laughs> a big Packer problem. Um, but uh, you know, I could use the Cardinals too, I suppose, since I live in this in this St. Louis area now. But um, uh, but yeah, you know, that's that's a, obviously a flimsy hope, and you know, and, and people talk about having hope. They want hope. But the hope that we have is that God has prepared all of this for us and that God has already accomplished it all for us publicly. I mean, you look at the scriptures, these are public witnesses of God himself that he has accomplished our salvation and that he will come back and rescue us. So, mm. so that, that fount of hope, uh, that this is, uh, See it. Yeah. Oh, fount of hope. How long, how long that phrase right there really sums up what, what longing is that what the anticipation is. It's not saying, uh, are it's, it, it's not nagging God as if God, you know, as if we don't believe that God's going to do it. No, we call him the fount of hope. He is the one who, he is the God of hope who fills us with with joy, even as we anticipate it. So, you know, there's a big difference between being able to, like not being able to sleep because you're so excited about like opening up your Christmas presents or getting married the next day or some great thing that's about to happen. There's a big difference between that and, and not being able to sleep because you're worried about what's going to happen the next day, right? Um, because yeah. you're worried about how you're going to handle this or that awkward, bad situation or, or what, or financial situation or what, or a sin, you know, which really it all comes down to sin, 
there's a big difference between those two. The hope that we have is a joyful anticipation. And so we shouldn't be afraid to to express that and say, how long? Because there is, a, yeah. there is frustration because we live in a sinful world and we have our sinful nature. Um, but the new man within us longs for, for the living God. Yeah, and perhaps there's an example in this stanza of, of what Jesus teaches in the, the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, where you've got that, that widow who keeps going to the unrighteous judge demanding justice. And Jesus, in explaining it, he, he says this, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Yeah. And and that's an encouragement that we would always pray and never lose heart. And I think, you know, what's happening here in stanza four is a, a decent example of that. Yeah. The one thing that could be a little confusing about this stanza, um, and I think it's important to 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 understand this, he says, Oh, come, oh, come, your throne forego. That is, leave your throne, right? Right. Console us in our uh, veil of woe. This is why it's similar to the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel hymn. Mm. Uh, because yeah. what, what's going on here is that, it, yes, we're learning, we're, we're learning about how we presently, in, 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 on this side of the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, are, have hope. But this is, this is what this is also doing and, and, and probably primarily doing is giving us the, the, it's expressing the desire before Christ came, right? So it's sort of, Right. It's it, and 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 it's not a bad thing to meditate upon to put yourself in the shoes of our brethren who went before us, of our fathers in the faith who went before us, who were longing for the coming, for that which we enjoy now, uh, uh, with the prophetic word fulfilled for us, which we'll we'll get into to more of that. So uh, so this is so so there is there is a historical kind of. Uh, piety there's a historical kind of longing going on being expressed here as well it's not just your own personal longing but but he he carries within it the longing of of the patriarchs of david of the prophets right where they are looking forward to the coming christ and they're saying forego your your throne and that is what he did he he yeah. he did not give up his throne but he did set aside his form of majesty he he did not fully use his divine powers, and he took on the form of a servant, uh, even while he still, you know, uh, uh, possessed all of his uh, his divine, uh, godly, uh, eternal uh, powers and attributes. Mm, yeah, that, that's a helpful explanation of that line. So we don't we're not asking the Lord to come off the throne right now. Right. He he has ascended and he reigns on high at the Father's right, That's right. hand. We we want him to do that. Yeah, he is reigning yeah. and he will continue to reign forever. And so he yeah. is in a state of exaltation. So yeah, but it's still it's good yeah. for us to to meditate on his uh, his humiliation and it's similar to what Ambrose does in his Savior of the Nation Nations Come. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's take a look at stanza five. O morning star, O radiant sun, when will our hearts behold your dawn? 
O sun, arise. Without your light, we grope in gloom and dark of night. That's stanza five. So here we encounter a very familiar image from the season of Advent and its hymnody. Christ is the morning star, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome. Take us into this image. Oh, yeah. There's so many parts of scripture you can go to uh, with this. I'll start with Isaiah 60, uh, verses one through three. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so I mean, we could talk about the wise men coming to the light, uh, being guided by the star, coming to, the, to, to, to Christ, who is the true light. Um, you know, and 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 uh, you know how Jesus was raised in 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 Galilee, and and that is fulfilling the uh, the prophecy in Isaiah nine uh, that uh, those who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, but what what sticks out here is that it's it's called the morning star, right? And uh, that morning star it comes out more so in the New Testament than in the old in fact in the old testament if you look for like morning star or day star you what you get is uh uh he's talking about babylon and where is hmm. somewhere in isaiah i keep forgetting where in isaiah that is uh and and he's and he's speaking ironically where babylon you know they were puffed up in pride and thought that they were they were kind of imitating trying to imitate god uh, or take the place of god yeah. but they're but they were humbled but but here, uh, some passages in the New Testament that stick out, uh, Luke 1, uh, it, where the song of Zecharias, uh, where he sings to his son John after he's born, uh, and he says, he says uh, you, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the, the Lord to prepare his way to, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Uh, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And keep in mind this, 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 so this day spring from on high has visited us um, and, and the mercy of our God, the, the morning star and the mercy of God. This should also remind us of Lamentations chapter three, where it says, where he talks about how God's mercies are great and then he says, they are new. His mercies are new every morning. And we should consider what's going on in the temple and the tabernacle. What did the priests do every evening and morning? They gave the evening and morning sacrifices. And what's attached to that morning sacrifice is God's mercy, which is new every morning. That's why God had them do it every morning. Because always new. And and that's such a comfort for us to know that that every day is really a new day. In Christ it is, because God's God's mercies are renewed. And and we have this in his word. And so Peter tells us about how he saw Jesus in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. In his second epistle, his first chapter, he talks about this, but then he says, But we have the prophetic word confirmed. We have, a, and I think ESV translates it. We have, we have the pro- prophetic word uh, even more sure, or something like that. We have something more sure, the prophetic word. Even you know, we, it is fulfilled. So it's one thing 
it's one it's one thing to see Jesus as he is uh accomplishing his salvation and that's just a, an amazing thing um and we long to see Jesus face to face just as Peter James and John saw Jesus on the transfiguration uh but what it but remember when 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 Peter wanted to uh to build tabernacles for the, uh, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and so the what happened is the Father spoke from heaven and and thundered at him and said, "This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Listen to his word." And so Peter points us to the word, the fulfilled word, and he says, "Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart." Again, you see this connection between Christmas and Easter. As Jesus rises from the dead, so is it that the, the, the son of righteousness who will come in the last day, he also was, rose up. He, he, he appeared in, in the person of, of Jesus in the incarnation, uh, in the incarnate son of God. Uh, and, then, and then finally, you have, uh, you know, as we wait for Jesus's return, you have at the end of Revelation, Jesus gives us this assurance. He says, I, Jesus has sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star, right? So there is that shoot that comes out of the stump of Jesse, that seed, uh, that son of David, who is the bright and morning star, because his mercies are always new. Mm. Let's take a look at the, the last two stanzas. We have about five minutes left, so I'm going to go ahead and read both of them for us right now. Sin's dreadful doom upon us lies. Grim death looms fierce before our eyes. O come, lead us with mighty hand from exile to our promised land. There shall we all our praises bring and sing to you, O our Savior King. There shall we laud you and adore forever and forevermore. That's the last two stanzas of O Savior, rend the heavens wide. So Pastor Price, again, with about four and a half minutes now, take us into these last two stanzas. Yeah. So. This, it, they're almost, they're, these last two stanzas are, are, it's almost like a, just a concluding, you know, back to the basics of, you know, sin and our hope for being rescued from sin, right? Sin and death. Um, you know, there's a lot of biblical imagery, the first five, uh, five stanzas. And then you just, we just talk about really, what is this all about? Why does this matter? Why are we why are we longing for all this? Because we still have sin and sin's dreadful doom upon us lies. Um, now we understand this from scripture as the sin that dwells within our sinful nature, you know, that 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 still is condemned under the law and it needs to be crucified every day. And we need to find the forgiveness of sins every day in the blood and righteousness of our Savior Jesus who has defeated death by dying for our sins. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it's like, like Gerhard sings, sin's debt, that fearful burden, uh, cannot his love erase. Your, your, uh, your guilt the Lord will pardon and cover by his grace. Uh, he comes he, for you securing, uh, how does it go? He comes, he, uh, for, he comes for you procuring, procuring peace of sin, sin forgiven. forgiven. Yeah. His children, thus securing eternal life in heaven. Yeah, man, that's a good stanza. Uh, Spey should have included that in his hymn. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, so that, but it's good that he mentioned sin and death, and that's very important for us to to uh, to mention 
um, and to keep in mind, it's amazing how how many how many religious talks and sermons just avoid talking about sin. Um, and uh, but but we have to in order to really see our true hope in the one who bore our sins. And so you know, then we have this very simple uh, assurance that there. Uh, when we are taken from our exiled uh, veil of tears here on earth, and we're taken from here to the promised land of the new Jerusalem, that there that we are all going to praise Jesus as the king. And, uh, and, and we're going to adore him forever and forever. Uh, and that's, that's great. That's a, that's, a wonderful, uh, that's, that's a wonderful message to keep in mind. Uh, you know, the, the, this reminds me of the the last stanza of uh, Jerusalem, the Golden, which is also part of a much longer one. There's also the world is very evil, which we also sing, which are basically they're just taken from the same hymn. Uh, you know, oh, 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 blessed. What is it? Oh, sweet and blessed, oh, sweet country. and blessed country, the home of God's elect. Right. That That we long for that. That's what we're longing for. We actually have a place with the prepared for us by Christ. And so as we struggle with our sin, we, we don't despair. And our hope is, uh, is a sure and certain hope. Pastor Andrew Preuss is pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in New Haven, Missouri, helping us today with number 355 in Lutheran service book, O Savior, Rend the Heavens Wide. Pastor Preuss, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me again. That was fun. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. You can still let us know what your favorite Advent hymn is. Send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Let us know where you're listening and what hymn you love to sing during the season of Advent. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.